Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. I am so excited for today's guest and episode. Like, oh my gosh, can we just get to the interview? But real quick before we do, I have to give you some context, okay? So I'm so excited to have this conversation because friendships and social dynamics, all of that is is so important, right? Because it's important to our lives to have community and people we trust and that we can hang out with and have fun with. And I feel like my journey with friends and friendship has been ever-changing and evolving, you know, over the past three to five years in my life. You know, in high school, yes, I had some great friends and that was convenient because we all showed up and we went to class together and we went to the same sports teams together. But in college, I really struggled to find like a friend group. And also in the adult world, it's not that easy to make friends. So I've had quite the journey, just kind of changing my own approach to friendship how I was viewing people and also realizing I was putting up walls way too early to be more vulnerable and open. And we're going to get into all that today. I'll share a bit about that experience for me. Erin is going to talk to us about what it means to be a great friend and also how to break up with your friends, how to filter through people who just are no longer serving. I hate to say serving you because everyone's like, that doesn't serve you. But you know, like no longer serving your life or like bringing the good juices to what you're trying to do here on earth. And I think that is so important. So 
We're going to dive in. This is such a good episode. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Our phenomenal guest is Erin Falconer. She is a digital entrepreneur, psychotherapist, editor-in-chief of Pick the Brain, and author of How to Break Up with Your Friends, Finding Meaning, Connection, and Boundaries in Modern Friendships. I mean, what a title. Oh, what a title. And the book is so good, you guys. So if you enjoy this episode, go get the book. Her book sheds light on the qualities of genuine friendships and shares the deeper principles for nurturing them. She was actually named one of the top digital entrepreneurs in Los Angeles by the LA Confidential and top 10 women changing the digital landscape for good by Refinery29. Erin also has a master's degree in clinical psychology. Before we get into this episode, a quick shout out. This episode goes to Allison. What's up, Allison? She said, genuinely obsessed, five stars. Vic's one of my heroes. Real Pod is amazing. Oh my God, wait, I'm gonna cry. And I 1000% feel like she genuinely cares about her audience, listeners, and followers. Real Pod has helped me so much in healing my relationship with body, food, and confidence. And Real Pod has me always looking forward to Wednesdays. Allison, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I hope you're doing well today. And this is so special to me when you leave reviews with your names because then I feel like I can like literally say hello to you. So Allison, hi, and thank you, thank you, thank you. I know you could listen to many shows and choosing RealPod means the world to me. If any of you wanna leave a review or a rating, we so appreciate it and you just might be the shout out on next week's episode. Without further ado, let's get started on this juicy episode, how to break up with your friends with a one and only Aaron Falconer. Erin, thank you so much for coming on RealPod. How are you doing today? I am very good. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun and the view is amazing. I came across you recently when I was going through some things with different friends and someone sent me your work and I started deep diving and I thought it was fascinating. Not only was I learning so much, but we don't really talk about friendships, let alone like the negative side of them. And a statement that you said in one of uh, the pieces of content I listened to was just like to sit back and take stake and evaluate your friendships and your relationships. And I was like, I've literally never done that. And I thought I need to have a conversation with you. I want to learn it all because our relationships and our environment are so crucial to success in life. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely are. And and that was kind of, you know, the genesis of this book was, you know, I was trying to do a follow up for my first book and I, that's in a whole other story, but I went down a million different dead ends. I just wasn't like resonating with anything. And at the time I was having kind of a difficulty with a friend. It was on paper, I would have said, we're like the greatest friends. We're best friends, you know, whatever. And yet there was this kind of growing sense of like irritation. And so I started, I remember sitting, waiting for her one day and she's chronically late and that's part of the problem. And I was like, just sitting there fuming, starting to get really mad. And I started to really look at the relationship and I was like, oh my gosh, like, again, on paper, we're such great friends. But when I really look at it, this great kind of chasm has been born between us and where did this come from and how do we get here? And so I sort of started to like go, you know, over the entire relationship and I was like, huh, this is unbelievable. Why didn't I say things when I was irritated? Why did I push them down? Maybe she's done the same, like blah, 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 blah. And then I was kind of like, 
I can't believe I've never done this before. And then so I started to look at another friendship and then another friendship. And what I found was I had so many different feelings of like either irritation or frustration or numbness. I didn't really feel anything at all. Or I felt like I missed somebody even though we were actively in a relationship. And I was like, this is all amazing information, A, and B, I cannot believe I've never done this before. And, you know, you probably heard me say, because I, I think it bears repeating, you know, we are a culture that is obsessed with information about ourselves. We know every calorie we're eating, every gram of fat, every, you know, grab of protein. Well, hopefully we don't, but society <laughs> convinces us we need to. Yes, we don't need to, but people are, you know, the people are doing it. You know, we wear watches that tell us every step we're taking, Marie Kondo. How we slept. How we slept. Marie Kondo has us holding up chairs and sweaters and asking if they bring joy. And yet the people in our lives, we don't, especially in this relationship category of friendship, we just, it's like the one converse, the one group of relationships that's like nice to have and they should give, give, give. And of course, that's not true of any successful relationships. Successful relationships, relationships that give back to you are relationships that require work. You're going to come up against friction. You're going to have to navigate that friction. And we just don't do this. And like that epiphany that I had when I was kind of going through my friend roster was this is shocking. And what a missed opportunity because if we cultivate this category of friendships in the way that I think that we need to, what an incredible source of support, what an incredible way to be able to show up for yourself and demand to be seen in a certain way. And, and all of that has such great carry through into all of the other facets of your life, your career, your romantic relationship. This is like good for all of that. Completely. And that's why friendships are so important. Right. And loneliness, obviously, is extremely detrimental to health. Totally. I mean, I talk about this when I speak at different schools is how loneliness not only contributes to a possibly shorter lifespan, but it can be as detrimental for your health as smoking like a pack of cigarettes a day to be lonely. So having these relationships is so important, but we don't always know how to have them. And you know, I am someone who's very social and I have been outgoing and confident and honestly, looking back, like I've had lots of friends. However, I in college just kind of felt insecurity around it because that was a new period of my life where I wasn't with all the people I'd grown up with. Here comes your birthday. You don't have 10 or 15 people to invite to a dinner. Then you can't get the Instagram of your friends holding the balloons that say, you know, 18, 20, whatever it is. Right. And so there's also this pressure from society to have all of these friends. And that's why I think it's great to kind of dive into this because a lot of people don't. So, I mean, where to even begin? Like, what would you say are the signs of maybe a great friendship or the signs of a friendship that needs attention? Right. Well, you know, for me, where, when you just said, where should we begin? It always begins, and this might sound counterintuitive, but it always begins with the self. So even though we're talking about relationships, the starting point is the self. And so I talk about this in the book. In fact, I think it's the first chapter, which is you need to have the answers to four fundamental questions, which is, who am I? Where am I? How did I get here? And where do I want to go? It's not something you come up with those answers, you know, like in 15 seconds. You really need to have a deep understanding of the answers to those questions. Otherwise, you're out there blindly kind of racking up friends that don't necessarily align with where you are and who you are in the world right now, right? And so I think that's the first thing is really getting clear 
on your own needs. It's hard to enforce boundaries when you don't really know what your own boundaries are, right? And so a lot of times what, what happens when people are like, oh, she's crossed a boundary or whatever, is like people are only understanding their boundaries reactively. In other words, something happens and they go, ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't work with me. The ideal situation is being very clear about what your non-negotiables are, what you will and will not tolerate, what you must have, and then putting that out into the universe so you're not reacting, so you're being proactive in these relationships. So, you know, the first place to start is with yourself. And that's often very daunting when people hear that. They're just like, no. They don't think they're the problem. They're like, no, it's everyone else needs to accommodate me. Exactly. I hear this a lot, you know, whether I'm seeing a client or even with my own friends, I hear it all the time when somebody comes to me and says, oh, she's so toxic or he's so toxic. And I say, I stop them and I say, hold on a second. You're giving away your power because when you're not taking responsibility for your own role within this, this is a relational situation. So one person might be behaving badly, but you are tolerating that. You have tolerated that. So let's start with you and see what in you needs to tolerate this. It doesn't mean that they're not doing something bad and it's not about blaming the victim, but it is an opportunity to really understand what motivates you and uh, again, what you will and will not take in relationship. Because often when somebody says to me, he or she is so toxic, those toxic people have perfectly productive relationships with other people. There's something in the dynamic between the two of you that is, if not instigating, at least allowing this other person's behavior to exist in your world. So it's really careful. You do, you really want to be careful to, to not, again, throw away your power and to take responsibility and ownership in these relationships. And that I think to go back to your original question, <laughs> gone 10 minutes off, is how do you know when you're in a good relationship and how do you know when you're in a bad relationship? Well, the first litmus test is really how do you feel when you're with this person? It's not how do you think, how do you think about a situation? How do you feel? Do you feel relaxed? Do you feel happy? Do you feel calm, nurtured, whatever, you know, that these are things you want to inspired. These are the things you want to feel. If you feel like you are exhausted after every time you hang out with this person or talk to them, if you feel negative either about yourself or about the world in general after you engage with this person or when you even think about this relationship, if you feel irritated or you feel badly about yourself, this is not where you want to go. And particularly pay attention to the energy factor. The exhaustion thing then can represent all of those feelings of irritation, frustration, or whatever. It's just you like trying to process negativity. So you really, again, you have to pay attention to how you're feeling. And a very good litmus test for this is like, I always say, you know, if your phone rings and you look at the call display and you see a name on the call display, what's your gut reaction? Are you like, ah, Or are you diving to the phone to get it? That's really good information, right? I love that example. I know that people in my life, when I see they call me, I get so excited. I mean, my best friends, I frequently think, I'm so lucky to be friends with this person because I love what they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Now, there are people where I love them. I want to be friends with them. But it's hit or miss. Some days I'm like, I don't know if I can handle this phone call. I don't know if I can take this energy. So wouldn't you say that there are going to be friendships where not everything is perfect and you recognize like the purpose that their relationship serves you? Right. Absolutely. Well, first of all, a really important point is that I think one of the things we do, and we do this a lot also in romantic relationships, is we expect the other person in the relationship to be our everything in the sense that like they're fulfilling every need. And that's just not, nobody can be your everything. Only you can be your everything, right? And so you then have to be very selective 
in terms of relationships and what what is this person bringing? What is this person bringing to the relationship? And also, what is it pulling out of me? What can I give to the relationship, right? So it shouldn't all be the same thing. So if you're looking at your friend group and everybody's showing up in the same way, even though that way is great, what you've done is created an echo chamber. And certainly you should have some friends in your life that mirror your your experience and 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 mirror where you kind of either came from or or are at. But you, it's just as important to have people that have the same core values, but have a whole different set of either life experiences, you know, whether it's religious differences, sexual identity differences, maybe they just lived in a different part of the world, but, or were brought up in a different part of, you know, way. You want to have the same core values as those people, but because the more diverse your friend group, number one, the, the the more dynamic your your experience is, but it also pulls different, those different, pe- interacting with those different types of people pull different things out of you, right? And, and so you want to really open the aperture on the people in your life, especially, you know, in this friend group, so that you can also pull the greatest, most kind of unexpected parts out of yourself, which only you can do relationally. Something I did not know is that vitamins and probiotics in pre-mixed drinks and kombuchas deteriorate over time. That sounds kind of gnarly, right? Well, our newest sponsor, Karma Water, stores the probiotics, vitamins, antioxidants, and adaptogens in the patent-protected push cap that infuses the ingredients just seconds before drinking, ensuring that all the nutrients are delivered at peak potency to deliver the greatest health benefits to us. You just peel, push, and shake. Max and I just got a big box of Karma Water. We have been loving it. You easily peel off this top, you push it in, and then bam, popping into your drink are all of those probiotics, vitamins, and antioxidants. The brand currently has two lines, Karma Probiotic Water and Karma Wellness Water, which are each formulated to deliver distinct wellness benefits in a variety of natural and tropical flavors. Karma Water is also coming out with a CBD line this year. That will be fun. Karma is vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free, lactose-free, as well as free of preservatives and artificial colors and sweeteners. Their wellness water contains 110% of seven essential vitamins, plus nourishing antioxidants and adaptogens, which help the body adapt to mental and physical stress, soothe inflammation and reduce fatigue. Gosh, I love that. Personally, my favorite flavor is strawberry lemonade. So if you give it a try, definitely check that out. Karma Water is distributed nationally and available on Amazon. So for more information, visit drinkkarma.com. Whether you're hosting a 4th of July bash or just bringing your best potato salad to someone else's, right? I feel like if I was going to someone else's 4th of July this year, I'd probably bring the buffalo taquitos that I made recently on Instagram. Those were fire. Regardless, Macy's has everything you need to make that get together the best on the block. They've got outdoor dinnerware in fun translucent colors, barbecue tools to keep the burgers coming. I love a good burger in the summer. Put some cheese on that, some jalapeno. So good. And they have outdoor furniture to seat the whole crew. So basically anything you might need for your hosting, barbecue, celebrations, head to Macy's.com. Plus, don't forget to pick up the fun in the sun essentials like swimsuits for the whole family, sunscreen, and so much more. I love Macy's because you can get literally anything you need at Macy's. I actually just got a few new swimsuits from Macy's. So I'll be rocking those this summer. Strapless, of course. Can't have any tan lines for the wedding. 
But you know what? I might pick up some of that translucent dinnerware because that sounds fun. So head over to Macy's.com, M-A-C-Y-S.com, Macy's.com for any of your fun summer essentials. I love the fact that you can get clothes and decor and dinnerware and makeup and bath supplies, like all in one place. Like Macy's is the bomb. Something we talked about just a few moments ago is, you know, identifying what this relationship is, how it serves you and what it's there for. And I've had to really do that recently, recognize like who, I mean, I'm getting married. So that, congratulations, thank you. And that is definitely a time where like you are forced to sit back and think, who are my lifers? Like, who am I certain I will be friends with for the rest of time? And also you see who wants to show up for you, who does want to come do these things and celebrate me. And do they check in and are they showing that they care? And, you know, aside from that in general, I've just had relationships where I've realized, and my mom has been super helpful and me talking through a lot of things is, Hey, this person might be super fun and you have a great time with them or they're your go-to for X, Y, Z, but no, they're not going to drop everything and come to you in the middle of the night when you're crying. And maybe you have other friends who will, but can you live with that? Can that be okay? Yeah, that's the question you have to ask yourself. And again, it comes back to you because only you can answer that question, right? So, you know, in order to cultivate the type of relationship where you would have, let's say, 10 people that would come to you in the middle of the night when you're crying out, that's those relationships take a whole lot of work to be able to maintain them and sustain them at that level in terms of, and I don't mean like, like physical work, but emotional and energetic work, right? And so you have to look and say how many of these people that I can call in the night do I really need? You definitely need some, but they don't all need to be the people because then you'd have to be giving all of those relationships the same amount of energy. What's your bandwidth? What's your capacity? Probably you don't have, and no one has the capacity to really do what you need to do to cultivate like 15 people that would show up, no questions asked, um, when you're crying in the middle of the night. But does that person that won't show up in the middle of the night, does she provide amazing levity when things are heavy or when you're feeling like lethargic or low energy? And does she have the ability to pull you out of that to have like a really fun Saturday afternoon or, or you know, a night out? Because that is also very, very important. Now, it's not as important as like the ride or die, but there is potentially a role for that. But what the problem is, is that if we treat everybody equal and they should all be all the things, then inevitably you're going to be let down or the other yes. person is going to be let down. And there you are sitting there going, I can't believe it. And it's like, but is that really her value added? What is this relationship's value added? Mm-hmm. And if you can't answer that question, that's a problem. But if you can clearly answer it and then start to say, okay, now I can put that there. And then subsequently, I'll, I'll only put out this much energy towards that that relationship. So Aaron, this has been my problem. <laughs> and I actually identified it two years ago in 2020. Mm-hmm. And the pandemic was a very like reflective time for me to think yeah. about, yeah, my relationships and my friendships and and all of that. And just to sum it up, I put really high standards on the relationships I have in my life. I didn't even realize I did it at first, but I had expectations that were high. So I guess some information, my best friend in the world, Aubrey is my maid of honor. We have matching tattoos, 20 years of friendship. (laughs) We were neighbors in first grade and everyone in my life would say to me too, like, not everyone's your Aubrey, like, because I had this amazing friend. And I think in a way I learned like that relationship is so much to me. It still is. 
And so when I would meet other people, I would think, well, it needs to be the exact same way. Like, why isn't the way that it is when I'm with Aubrey? Right. And of course, I found some other gems who are my best friends now as well. and, And they are amazing. But there was a time where like, if you were not a 10 out of 10 and all these boxes of like, like I'm fiercely loyal, like right. loyal to a fault. So right. if I heard someone said something bad about me or they weren't loyal, mm. I was like, nope, it's done. Like yeah. we can never be the same. Yeah. I mean, also I had this pressure of like every relationship I made, like, are you going to be a bridesmaid one day? Right. Like, you know, I, I always like, I think a lot of people do that as well as they think like, well, right. where could this friendship go? It's like when you go on a date and you daydream about what your life could be like right. together, you meet a friend and you think, well, you know, what's our future going to be? Totally. And so I had to really recognize that not everyone can be an right. Aubrey or a Natalie or a 10 out of 10. Right. And that is tough. Yeah. Like I've had to, you know, mourn the expectation right. I might've had for someone. And it's hard because I'm I'm not I'm an all in person. Right. Erin, it's really hard for me to be okay with gray area. Right. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I think that you have to be all in on core values, first of all, regardless of of how much time or what the expectation is. So like if you have like a non-negotiable, which I think is very reasonable and necessary in good friendships, like loyalty, like if somebody is talking badly about you, then that's not your person. Right. right. And and like, so when you say that example, I'm like, yeah. Well, let me give you a, a, a lesser example. Okay. So yes, if someone's talking badly about my me behind my back, right. non-negotiable, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. However, I guess I would say like, I would get in, in high school or college, if I had friends who I thought were my friends mm-hmm. and then like they hung out or did something and right. didn't invite me, I viewed that as like right. not loyal. Right. Whereas now right. I have the perspective to say, hey, we all have lots of friends we hang out with. Right. There's days I don't want to hang out with my entire roster of friends. Right. I just want to be with Sally Sue, whatever. Right. So now I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, Victoria, that's not them being disloyal. Right. That's, that's them that's, making a choice. Yeah. And that's okay. And it's not personal. It's not I personal. took everything personally. That's the thing. You, th- that's the thing. You've got to be able to separate, you know, what's personal and what's not. When somebody talks badly about you, that's personal. You know what I mean? When somebody makes a choice to hang out with two, you know, Sally May or whatever, and not you. <laughs> Those are made up names. Okay. And not <laughs> and not you, but they hang out with you next week, then it's not personal that you, and I do see that often with people getting their feelings hurt. And I, I see it, I've seen it a lot more on social media because like somebody will go out and then you know that they're out with that person because mm-hmm. somebody takes a picture and posts it and whatever. And so there's a lot of like, <gasps> how, but how come I wasn't invited? And so- I think number one, the starting place with that is like to really understand and 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 really know your own self-worth and to know that, again, like if you weren't invited, it's not even a question of you not being invited. Take yourself out of the equation. It's not that you were not, you were never in that equation. They just asked somebody else. Right. You, it's not you were, you know what I'm saying? And so just like the reframe on that, I think is important. Look, if it's happening over and over again, and like you're not, you haven't seen this person and they keep making different choices, then that's something different also. But what we have to recognize too, is that, you know, let's go back to Aubrey. So that's, this is amazing. You have somebody that's almost kind of like a, a friend, soulmate, you know, that kind totally. of thing. And that's amazing. But if you're constantly comparing everything to Aubrey, that's a lot of pressure on Aubrey whether you know it or not, just energetically, like there's a lot of stuff where it's like, she's the absolute gold standard and everybody needs to be like her, but that's a lot of pressure, right? There's a psychotherapist called Esther Perel, who is kind of like iconic and she does couples therapy. She's a psychotherapist and she's a very, very good podcast called Where Should We Begin? And she sees couples kind of live on the podcast. 
And what I've heard her talk about a lot over the past like six months to a year, she might have done it longer and maybe I just tuned into it, you know, in, in, in that time frame, but about the pressure on a romantic partner to be everything. And it's so, you know, before, not that these were the perfect relationships before, but like in the kind of 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, the husband went off to work, did his thing, the wife was at the home doing her thing. And then they would come back together and then they wouldn't talk about work and they wouldn't talk about what she did. They would talk about whatever their social engagements were, whatever, da, da, da. Today, we're like, we know every coworker, we know every office drama of the person, the other person's in the person's life and vice versa. We're not just talking about work. You're texting them while you're, you're at work. You're texting them all day long at work. What are we doing? FaceTime them while you drive somewhere. somewhere. Exactly. We're, you're not just talking about, you know, your workout. You're actually working out with them. If you have children, you're like so enmeshed in co-parenting. You've got to agree on every single thing and like talk about it and da, da, da. And that's just not sustainable. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. And so the role of friendship, and this is according to Esther Perel, is so important even to your romantic relationships because you've got to offload some of those expectations from that one person onto other people, right? Yeah. And and say, this is what this relationship gives. This is what this relationship gives. And this relationship romantically doesn't have to give all of that. Yeah. And, so, and so just bringing it back to the opera of it all, it's like you also want to be able to to, to diversify. And obviously, it sounds like you have in, right. a very, in a very important way. But to anybody else that may not have at this point, it's so important for the people that you really love and really have close in your life, those relationships to also have other healthy relationships. Yes, yes. And I have so many thoughts. First thought, with the pressure on Aubrey, we fortunately, and I'm not like in denial here, but fortunately, <laughs> we have really different interests. I okay. was a competitive athlete my whole life. She wasn't like... In college, she roomed with her sorority girls, had a whole life there that I wasn't friends with. I was on the team like and we still through all of that, like have had just such a special bond. And unless she listens to this and says, you put all this pressure on me all these years. I don't think she would. But I hear what you're saying. And and I don't even mean like you literally put I'm just saying like energetically it's right when I approach the relationship if I'm looking for everything there that's impossible as well whether it's something she feels or not right and then with Max so that's my fiance and I've said this before and he know he doesn't listen so it's fine he should (laughs) listen babe listen to this podcast but I almost like that he doesn't because I can say things like that's okay my husband doesn't listen to anything yeah literally (laughs) Max I don't want to say he's not good at comforting people because maybe he is for others but for me personally yeah he's not the one I want to call when something goes wrong. Right. When I need consoling. And for a long time, that really was hard for me because this is my life partner. Like, why aren't you the person I want to call when I'm crying and something bad happens? And I'm like, there's three people I'd rather call. I'd rather call my mom. I'd rather call Aubrey. I'd rather call Natalie. Those are my other best friends. So that was hard for me. And I had to realize Max is phenomenal in all of these areas. And this just either isn't his strong suit or it's not the place that we mesh and it's okay. It doesn't mean that this isn't my person and I need to find someone who can console me better. Totally. And that's the thing. Often we would throw out a relationship because it's like they don't have that one thing and it's like, no, it's okay as long as they have substantial other things because they can't be everything. So it's, yeah, it's great. Great. Now, I don't know about you all, but I've sensed a little burnout coming on for myself. And I'm like, I refuse. I cannot burn out because I've got the wedding coming up. I've got things to do. I've got stuff to post. So I'm like refusing this burnout, but I'm kind of feeling it a little bit. Have you ever felt burned out? It can feel like, you know, not taking enough time for yourself, like lack of motivation, fatigue, 
Maybe you're irritated. I know a lot of us associate burnout with work, but there are so many things in our life that can cause us to feel burnt out. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, wants to remind you to prioritize yourself and talk with someone who can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. As you know, I've been going back to therapy. It has been game-changing. I go once a week. If you are interested, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And the best part, you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. I know when I want to talk to someone, I want to talk to them. Now, the fact that you could go to betterhelp.com slash realpod right now and get 10% off your first month and get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours and take it from the privacy of your own home. I mean, it's amazing. So head to betterhelp.com, betterhelp.com slash realpod. That's betterhelp.com dot com slash real pod for 10% off your first month. So leaning into just the title of your book, right? <laughs> how to break up with your friends. Yeah. How does one do that? Well, it's, uh, it's tough, <laughs> but you know, so the starting point really is if you have done all of the work kind of in the book and at the end of each chapter, there's like worksheets literally to like help guide you or get conversations started or whatever. If after all of this reflection, you've come to the conclusion that this is just, you know, it's not worth saving or it never was worth saving. Can I interject? Yeah. Just a quick question before we go past that. Is it okay to think someone is nice and cool and also not want to be their friend? Definitely. So it doesn't have to be someone that you just like did wronged you or is toxic. Like you can just be like, this person isn't worth my time. Well, that is the biggest misconception, you know, because, you know, the media very much portrays female friendships as either like these huge dramatic, like she stole my man or my partner took my job or else they're like these bubbly trips to the spa, like where we're getting manis and petties. And there's like really no nuance when we, when, you know, you look towards the media in terms of these friendships, but when a relationship is not working, right? It's often not because there's some huge betrayal. It's more like death by a thousand cuts in the sense that like, we're either just not gelling over time or we're, our behavior has changed in such a way that like it's irritating us or we're not as interested And it, but it's not some big like, she screwed me over. It's just like, this doesn't feel like it fits anymore. Right. And so that's why it feels so jarring to like do something about it because it's like, well, I guess, I guess it's not that bad. Like, I guess I don't have to sit the person down and be like, this is over. Speaking of nowadays, people like to ghost. Oh yeah. Ghosting. Exactly. (laughs) And you know what? I, I interviewed a lot of women for this book and a couple of them, super strong, successful, funny, whatever. And when they were telling me their friendship story, a couple of them, they separately, two separate women were ghosted by a really good friend at a, at a kind of pivotal, pivotal moment in their lives. And even when talking about this, you know, 10 years later, when they were talking with me, it was amazing how they immediately almost got back into the headspace of like, I don't know what happened. It was so weird, you know, and then going into the details of the story and you could tell it was like still alive in them. Right. And I think the same is true for the person that is ghosting. We feel like, oh, this is the easiest way to do things. But when you don't close it off, what happens is you've got this like hard drive, this small little Mm -hmm. hard drive running in the background that's taking energy. And so it is far more awkward to like 
announce, you know, that this friendship is not working anymore. But I think it's far better to do that than to ghost if you've had any kind of meaningful relationship with the person. If you've known the person for six months, then I don't think you necessarily right. have to have like a sit down, you know, that feels a little like extra. But that if you've had any kind of meaningful interaction or relationship with somebody, I think, you know, the first thing you need to do is you well, you need to make the clear decision. And then once you've made the decision, I ask people to say, OK, I want you to really sit with kind of visualize what your life is going to be like without this relationship in it, because if you're going to take all the time to like an effort to actually do this and break up with somebody, it's amazing how easily you'll be talked out of it if you haven't really put yourself in the future space where that person relationship is no longer present. And so really feel that, feel the grief in it, feel, you know, whatever feelings come up for you. And once you've done that, then you need to really assess the other person. And of course, ideally, you want to, I think, talk to the person either in person or on the phone with a voice, if at all possible. It's scarier to do that, but I think it's the most respectful and it's the strongest move. And so even if the person is mad or hurt, I think they're left feeling like, whoa, like that really took an effort to do that. And so I think it lands in a different way. Now, the idea, though, is that you're communicating information to that other person about what's going to happen now. And so if you are in a relationship with somebody that is very, very sensitive or very overreactive or defensive or whatever, it's that if you kind of get the person in, like live and you're giving them this information, they won't hear it and they'll just get emotional, mad, throw it back on you. Then I say that's not the best thing to do. Do something like write a really well-crafted email so that they can take the information, you know, when you send it to them, get really mad and have their reaction, but then they can come back to it when they've calmed down or diffused. And then so hopefully get the message of like, what happened? What are the takeaways? What do I need to know here? Okay, it's all in here. So I actually, in the book, I think I have six or seven different conversation starters, like based on very obviously general kind of topics, one where one might find, you know, that they're in a situation where they want to end a relationship because it's kind of the starting up. It's the opening part of the conversation that I think, or the email that I think is really hard because we never do this. And then I think once you get to the details of, of what's actually gone on, that's not difficult. See, I actually was just sitting here thinking the details would be difficult because you're mapping out the reasons you don't like this person. Right. Well, it's kind of, I think it's like the, well, I don't know if it's why you don't like them, but it could be. You could be just like, I just really don't like this person. Well, even if it's not that, you're right. Maybe if for someone it's just like, these are the reasons I don't want to be your friend anymore. Yeah. And like that is going to feel personal. It's right. the way the person exists. That is definitely personal. You want to, though, keep it, keep going, talking about the relationship as opposed to the person. Mm. And so it's not necessarily like, I don't want, you know, to see you again. It's that where I'm at in my life, this relationship, I can't serve this relationship in the way it needs to be served for you. And here's why I think that, you know, and so, and it's out of respect for the relationship that we have had that has been so, you know, fulfilling or whatever, fill in the blank, whatever that relationship has done for you, that I felt the need to bring this up to you and just be really honest because if I don't be honest, what's going to happen is instead of the defining moments of these friendships being mostly positive and like when I reflect on this relationship, really feeling like 
good about this relationship, the longer I let it go, the defining the defining moments of this friendship are actually going to be irritation, frustration, guilt, because we've gotten to this place where I don't think the relationship is really serving either of us. I have so many questions. As you can see, I'm like <laughs> jotting things down and circling them. So I just asked you about, you know, the reasons and the language there. What about just the idea of being selfish? Like, totally. I mean, the act of breaking up with a friend is mm-hmm. saying like, it's what I want. It's like, right. and when I say I, I refer to anyone who might do this. It's like, it's like sure. what the person wants. And it, right. it is a selfish act. You're mm-hmm. not considering that. I mean, maybe you're thinking, you're, you know, that this could hurt the person, mm-hmm. but maybe it's not, it's what best for the person or this person like won't agree with you. So how do you swallow the mm-hmm. fact that this is a selfish act? Well, here's the thing, like often, for example, let's say you're at a place in a relationship and this is this is where the problems arise, where one of you have a, has a different level of expectation than the other. And let's say you're the one that feels like you've outgrown the relationship and the other person hasn't, right? They don't feel that way. So what ends up happening is that person calls to make plans or you, you see their name on the call display and you go, right? That's how it kind of starts. And then they try to make plans with you and you either begrudgingly go and then you're not really happy that you feel irritated with yourself that you made that choice or you don't go and then the person tries to reschedule and reschedule and so what ends up happening is like ultimately you've got to say is it going to be me or her am I going to be in this to to service whatever her needs are or am I going to take myself out of this and service my needs, right? And so it really comes down to if you're in a relationship that no, is no longer working for you, is it me or her? Well, you got to choose you. Yeah. That's it. You have to choose you. There's no other option. You can't keep choosing her. How do you think that's going to end? And also, clearly that person still thinks that the relationship is worth fighting for, but do they? Have they really reflected? Because they've got to be feeling hurt, rejected, dejected, whatever, and they're either not paying attention to it or just pushing it down, ending this relationship ultimately, while it may hurt them and it may be jarring and feel like a real, you know, punch in the ego, there's going to be ultimately a relief and their energy is going to be freed up to find a relationship that makes more sense. Yeah. And to give myself some advice, Mm. like, because if I was asked this question from the standpoint of, you know, should you seek help from a therapist, even if it means you won't be at practice one day, whatever, Mm. you know, at some point you have to take care of yourself. And if you're just pouring into everyone else's cup and refusing to do something for yourself. And I know a lot of your work stems back to your conditioning and what was modeled to you. And growing up an athlete, I mean, you always hear there's no I in team. Don't ask about playing time. Don't ask. It's about the team. It's about the team. And so that seeps into everything is like, it can't be about me, but sometimes it is. And it's your life and you're not selfish in every area, but this is just an instance where you need to put yourself first. Now, another question I I have here (laughs) circled is, is it too definitive? Like when I hear you say, end this relationship Mm -hmm. and the act of calling someone, it's like, what if in a year you regret it? And you're like, I miss this person and I want it. I want them back in my life. And they're like, well, you frigging called me and literally drew a line in the sand. Right. Yeah. So I think the thing is, that's why you've got to be really clear. Like, is this a relationship that I need to end? Like, is it just like we feel like we've grown in two different directions or do I feel like, you know, the person's value system has kind of, you know, we've seen a lot of that over the, you know, politically and over, you know, COVID, we've seen, you know, friends that were 
really close. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody's picking up a different train of thought around, you know, vaccines or something like that. Right. So if something like that's happened and you've got to make a decision like, oh, man, we're just not really like ethically on the same page anymore. These are the kind of things that I'm not sure that they're going to come back around. Right. If it is a case where it's like, man, I really, really love this person and this relationship. We've gone in different directions, but I feel still so warm about this person that that's where you don't necessarily want to break up with the person. That's where you want to have a conversation with the person and just say exactly like what I had. You know, from a bandwidth perspective, I just don't have capacity in the same way that I used to have. But that doesn't mean like I don't feel really warmly about you. And I just wanted to be clear on expectations. So it's not a situation where you're trying to hang out with me and I'm constantly saying no, and it's not personal. It's just, I don't have bandwidth, but I'm hoping, you know, after I get into my new job or after, you know, my newborn baby can take its first steps that maybe I can circle back and have more capacity for this. So you want, you do want to be really careful. It's not, this is not something you do lightly, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, not feeling it, da-da-da-da-da, sit down, break up, right? Because if you haven't really thought, and that's why I ask you to really sit with like, what is my life like? If I were to say to this person, this is over and stick to it, what is my life like? What if, you know, when am I going to feel like, ooh, I want to call so-and-so, oh, they're not here anymore. Oh, you know, I took them out of the rotation or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or because you don't want to make a mistake like that. You don't really want to go back on you know, you've made a decision and you kind of have to, I think, stick with it. Now, if there's extenuating circumstances where if you hear her father has died and all of that, you know, through, through and I go, oh my God, I got to reach out to this person, you know. So that's also why you want to end something really respectfully and with as much kind of positivity and love as you can, because life has a funny way of bringing people back. Right. That's something I was thinking about as well is like, I hate having a burnt bridge. Right. I It really keeps me up at night to not mm-hmm. feel like I've tied up every loose end, even right. if like something's gone a different way. Right. But a lot of times we don't have control. And you mentioned earlier this hard drive running in the back of your right. mind. I want to contrast that with something that a past guest shared with me right. that I loved at the time too. Because mm-hmm. I love what you said about the hard drive. It's true. Like you have thoughts right. running. But then I had a guest on Saudi Simone who mm-hmm. talked about not, needing closure from someone else. Right. And that you can give yourself the gift of closure and not need someone else's permission. And I've had a relationship where it's like, I want to tie it up with a bow or I want to check in or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? This is the path it took. It's equally on both people. Why is it my responsibility Mm -hmm. to initiate a mutual closure when like, that's me seeking permission from someone and I have to just have that conversation with myself. Right. What do you think of that? Look, it's possible if the expectation is understood the same for both people. But if there's one person that is actively trying to engage you, you can, you know, say, close off in your mind, like this relationship is done, but that person is still going to try and keep engaging you. So to clarify, is the really, is the definitive like verbal breakup more so just to communicate a boundary, like, please stop reaching out to me. Like, this is the path I'm going. Whereas right. there are friendship breakups that are like, yeah, we've grown out of touch and this and this hurts, but w- if, no one's calling anyone anymore. Absolutely. If you just are naturally going in a different, like, direction, not better or worse, but, like, I'm somebody that's moved around my whole life. So, you know, there, and then I have some friends that have always been in the town that I, you know, was born in. And, like, 
I'm going to go in a different direction than them. Again, not better or worse, just because my life experience is so vastly different, right? And if at a certain point, you know, the, there's just fewer and fewer, you know, or more and more time between when we're talking to each other and then it goes to just Facebook messaging or Instagram messaging, and then you, that's fine. You're both, you're both in an, a nonverbal way kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You do, I, I would not recommend like, calling that person and being like, listen, <laughs> let's address absolutely that we're not. both ghosting each other. No. Okay. That's no. good to know. Yeah. And I wouldn't call that ghosting. I would just say that's a natural ebb and flow of, of, of life. Right. Right. That that's much different. When I can, when I think about ghosting, I think about somebody actively trying to engage you and you just absolutely not engaging with them mm-hmm. and being like, I'm not addressing any part right. of this. And eventually they'll get the message. Right. Right. Yeah. So now that I feel confident and I'm sure our listeners do that, we have at least the beginning steps to breaking up with friends. And also your book has much more that can be helpful. If we want to shift this to end on like more of a positive yeah. note, what are the staples and the foundations of a great friendship and how do we cultivate that? I mean, I think we talked about loneliness in the beginning. Yeah. A lot of people are lonely. A lot of people don't know how to make friends. Right. They want a great friend. They're a good person. They're in a new city. They're, they left their college. Everyone moved away. Like, mm-hmm. how do you make friends and set healthy foundations? Yes. So it is true. So in this book, there's actually, there's 10 chapters and there's only one chapter on actually how to break up with a friend. There's nine chapters on really the importance of, you know, finding your people. And as you brought up, you know, there's amazing physical health benefits, emotional, mental health benefits. So there's, and I talk a lot about that. And then I talk about how to be a better friend and then how to make new friends. And so I think the thing that, you know, that is kind of integral to a good friendship is you have to commit to that person, right? It, it, it can't be passive. You have to make a choice. I'm committing to this person. It's so easy to like let go of plans and reschedule and reschedule and reschedule, especially we're like in these very busy lives, but you have to make a commitment. Um, you have to really be loyal. There has to be loyalty and trust. Otherwise you're not, there's, you're not going anywhere, right? If you are second guessing that if you tell somebody, you know, this person, something and they're going to run and tell somebody, this is not a good, this is not a good foundation. So there's that you have to be present. You have to be actively listening with this person. So instead of booking like, you know, a three hour dinner at a loud restaurant with all your friends, it's much better to do like a 45 minute tea device free or coffee or whatever. And nowadays, even though it's, it still feels a little weird, um, you know, we obviously live in Los Angeles. So when you're going to meet up with somebody, there's like this long commute attached to basically everything. So like an hour coffee is actually like, you know, two and a half hours or 45 minutes. I would, I would say get creative and like get, bring a drink or a coffee and have a 45 minute chat on zoom with your friend, you know, just find the time to have meaningful moments where you're really listening to the person, not just the words they're saying, but like their nonverbal cues. Cause often that's really the key to what's going on with anybody. Right. Can I add color to that? Yeah. Because bringing back up Aubrey, Mm -hmm. we had become so close and we we were so close and that in in college, Mm I feel like I was so confident in the relationship. I kind of shifted to autopilot. Mm -hmm. I just share this to add like, you know, human examples to this this episode. You know, Aubrey said to me like, hey, you know, I feel like I'll tell you things and you'll ask me about it a few more times. And I'm like, but I told you, like, I told you this is where I'm going to be on Friday. I told you the name of my cousin. She said, I could tell you what you're doing next weekend. I feel like you don't listen. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I mean, she was correct. And I, 
I didn't realize I wasn't present. Like I was going through the motions and like, oh, that's my best friend. And right. then she started to feel like, hey, you're asking me things over and over and it's showing me that you're not even listening when I talk to you. Right. And that's that was powerful. Great, that's a very great example. It's a good example of number one, standing up for yourself in a relationship and kind of, and the power of communicating. It also is a really good example of what happens when you don't do that is the, like, this isn't Aubrey, but the Aubrey in this example, if she wasn't communicating to you, what often happens is Aubrey is thinking, oh my God, what is Victoria doing? Victoria is, she's doing this because da, da, da. And what happens is she starts creating a narrative of what's going on with you. She doesn't care about me anymore. Look at, she's got other friends. She's got her swimming friends, her college friends, da, da, da. And all of a sudden, this little thing where it's just like, you're not paying attention and need a jolt has become an entire narrative that is not necessarily true. Totally. And I had no idea. It was, and then you, yeah. and then what's the truth? You didn't realize you were behaving like that. She called you on it. You had a moment of reflection and said, oh my God, probably, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You're right. I'll be more present. And I'll now be it's better. a joke. I'll be like, Friday, three o'clock, you're seeing Billy. I know it. That's right. <laughs> and, and what an amazing moment, right? To be able yeah. to get on the other side of that. The relationship is stronger. You have a deeper understanding of each other's needs and where you're at. This is very, very, very important. But you did ask me about sort of making new friends. And that is really tough. And that's the last chapter of the book. Because, you know, I'm a therapist. And one of the epiphanies that I kind of had right as I was beginning this book is like in therapy, there's individual therapy, there's couples therapy, there's family therapy. There's no such thing as friendship therapy, right? And while I'm not necessarily advocating that, you know, friend couples run out and seek a therapist. It's what a fascinating it, observation. It, yeah. And what it does mean to me is that there's no kind of collectively accepted language for navigating conflict in these relationships. There's no blueprint about how to get out of ones that aren't working or how to get into new ones, right? And so it feels really awkward, this idea of like, I need new, I need some new friends, whatever your life experience, we, wherever you are in life, you find yourself at times like I've got, I don't have enough people, my people, right? And so whether it's you've moved to a new city or you're in a new job or whatever it is. And so what I say to people is like, you have to really energetically put it out there and then physically, literally put it out there. So like if you're somebody that likes, a, has a dog, instead of taking your dog on a, just walking around your block, where's the dog park, right? You know that there's a group of people there that you have at least one thing in common with, you love dogs, right? <laughs> and so you just put yourself in a group of people that again, there's a common denominator. What do you do when you're there? look around. Is there anybody that feels interesting? It's, it's so weird because it's like dating, right? And if we were trying to find a romantic partner, you know, everywhere we're going, we're like, anybody here? Anybody here? But honestly, the same mindset needs to kind of be adopted. It just feels weird because we don't do it. And I was talking to somebody the other day about the dog park thing. She's like, so what do you mean? Like, I just go up to somebody and be like, hey, I'd like to be your friend. And I'm like, kind of, I mean, not literally like that, but right. go up and strike a conversation, right? If that's what you want, if that's what you need, go advocate for it. What's the worst thing that gonna, that's going to happen? You start talking to the person there like a dud and it's like, okay, cool. Throw your ball in another direction and walk off with your dog. You know, mm -hmm. if you are a runner, like to run, find a running group right? Again, there's one common denominator there that you know you're going to have, you know, agree with somebody on. See if there's anybody interesting. Put it out there to your friends. Hey, you know what? I really don't have any uh, like new I mean, mom entrepreneur yeah. friends. I don't, I don't have any new mom entrepreneur friends. Know anybody? It's real. It's the exact right. same thing. As, and all of a sudden, once you, it's not just about the literally talking about it. It's like when you 
energetically put it out there, it's amazing people start being just drawn to you, the mm -hmm. people you need. But if you're just sitting there by yourself, hoping that somebody's going to knock on your door and say, want to be friends, that's never going to happen. It's amazing how we get in our own way so much with yeah. our thoughts. Like, yeah. oh, I can't. I mean, there's a friend that I've, well, there's a person who I've collaborated with thought that they were awesome. We had great vibes. I've yeah. been trying to hang out with this person. Yeah. So I'm just reaching out and the person's every time resp it's, it's a no because they're busy or they're traveling and it's totally fine. I'm not taking it personally. I have asked three times. They right. genuinely seem so caring and like they want to hang and they can't. Right. And I'm not sitting here like, well, you know what? The next time they have to initiate, yeah. like, don't you play want something, games. go get it. Yeah, and, and also just like, I think when we do get in our head, like, well, I've already asked this person, they should ask me or like, right. it's like, just be yourself, be honest, don't read into it. I right. mean, not taking it things personally and not making assumptions has right. given me such a, amazing social life. I'm about to go on my bachelorette with a group of nine girls. Yeah. And like a lot of them are from childhood, but I just, I never thought that'd be me. I was like, I'm not going to have, like, I always was insecure. Right. I'm never going to have that. And if you don't have that, it's okay. Yeah. But Whatever your needs are. Yeah. yeah. This season of my life has been more social because of the way that I've changed myself right. and everyone else has always been there. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So we do have to like, you know, it's funny because the other day, one thing you just, you just talked about a circumstance that's very similar to something that I went through. I met this girl, this woman, I should say at a dinner party, it was over the holidays, like the, the winter holidays. And I got sat next to her and she was so cool. And like, just like, I'm like, I liked her immediately. Right. And like so funny and like interesting. She has one child that's like the same age as mine and da, 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 da. And then, you know, soon to find out that she lives in Echo Park and I live in Venice. And for listeners that don't know Los Angeles, these are like the polar opposite, you know, ends of the city. And I was like, ah. Oh. And so I had to say to her, I, I said, listen, I'm so bummed this night's over and we're leaving and I would love to hang out with you. We'd already exchanged like kind of numbers or like Instagram handles or something. And I was like, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I'm never driving to see you here. Like if I have a meeting, I would love to be able to call you and have lunch. And same thing for you if you're like ever by the beach. But I'm just going to put it out there that like this makes me sad, but we're probably going to be really casual friends. And she was laughing her head off. And I, and, 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 I feel like you can say that because you're the friendship expert. Yeah, well, she was <laughs> laughing. She was like, I don't think anybody's ever been that honest. Because she's was thinking like, it too. Yeah, yeah. And that's right. And she's probably like, oh, my Venice. When am I ever driving to Venice to see this like new friend? But I also thought it was important to just, number one, be honest. And number two, like if, if that's the, like if to try and set a tempo or rhythm expectation, because who knows, like, again, what life will bring. Maybe I move, maybe she moves. But I wanted to keep it positive and honest and I hope we do have lunch. And real quick, would you say that if you were really seeking out great friendships, mm -hmm. like maybe you would make the effort, but you don't need yeah. that additional friendship so you're not going to go out of your way? Yes, exactly. Like if I were really trying, trying, like if I had holes to fill like in my roster, yeah, definitely. Like then you're going to have to like bump up your effort and enthusiasm if you meet somebody that you really feel connected to. You know, you don't want to start with negativity like, oh God, this is never going to work. But you also have to be realistic. And it's like, where am I from a bandwidth perspective? Am I in a position to take on a new friend, regardless of how much I like them? If getting to see them every time takes so much planning and frustration, you know, just to get to the other person, hour drive, you know, to get to go mm -hmm. see that it would be an hour drive to get to go see this girl and didn't have the capacity for that. Right. Still don't. Right. You know what I mean? So, 
Yeah, I admire that. And I think it's encouraging for all of us to start to be reflective about once again, what are our needs? What are our non-negotiables? And also just to sit back after listening to this and think about your relationships and what serves you. So Erin, thank you so much. I loved this conversation. I so appreciate it. And thanks for doing this work because there's not a lot of people talking about it as candidly as you. It's a conversation we need to start. Mm-hmm. And, and so thank you for starting it with me. Of course. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.